It's Psalm 112, and I'm going to read just the first 10 verses, or the 10 verses here. Psalm 112 says, Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in His commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in the houses, or in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news or their hearts um, their hearts are set, uh, steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor. The wicked will see and be vexed. They will gnash their teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. This, this portion of Scripture really defines kind of gives you a, a, in, uh, a view of what it looks like for those who fear the Lord. It says, praise the Lord, blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in His commands, those who fear the Lord. You know, I, the ideal of blessing, you know, and we're very familiar with blessing, especially when someone sneezes, right? God bless you. Well, what does blessing actually mean? And if you just look up the word, it simply means uh, happy, good fortune, um, characterized by happiness or being highly favored. But what does it really mean to be blessed? Because those words, you know, it's, it's hard to take Hebrew words and then put it in English when Hebrew words have such a dynamic depth to it, you know, because there was only 10,000 words, about 10,000 words in Hebrew. And so you would have words that would mean, you know, as a noun, it would be bread. As a, as a verb, it would mean war, you know. So I mean, maybe that's where the first food fight came from. I don't know. But, but words are very complicated in English because we, we tend to describe things a little bit more, you know, and, and our tone and, and the way we say it, you know, really does affect how we understand it. Just like if I tell you, I love you, that's one thing. But if I tell you, yeah, I love you, I mean, that's another. And we understand tone. We understand the weight of the words. So what does it really mean? And so it's very hard to define blessed. It's very hard to define blessed. But simply, it just means to me, the best way that I can think about it is more. More. Because you're happy, but it's more than that. You're not happy because things are good. You're not happy because things are well. You know, I, I was happy that my, my son and my daughter-in-law were able to visit us this week, and we had some great time with them. They were great. And um, even though I was happy they were home, they required more. They required more, more milk, more food, more stuff. Every time they say, you know, they, every time they come, they want to create some game and it requires money, more. And, and I think they, they think our house is blessed flowing with milk and honey because they just drink milk like it's water. And I, I, I man, we could buy a gallon. Am I, am, I, am I speaking lies here? No, I'm telling the truth. They could drink it. But see, the ideal for them is they get to come home to mom and dad's. It's, it's their house. And so we want more, right? We want more. And so that's the ideal of being blessed. That it's not just happiness or good fortune, but it's more than that. It's not just being in the perfect position or the perfect circumstances. Because how many know that there are a lot of good, righteous people that suffer greatly for the cause of Christ 
And they're not exactly happy. They're not exactly jumping up and down saying, this is a great day to be tortured. This is a great day to go through this, these trials and tribulations. But there's more than that. Because their faith is in God, whose word will never fail them. Their faith is in God, who they put their trust in. So when it says that blessed, it literally just means more. That, that it's not just about what you have or what you go through. It's just simply more. And it teaches us about the fear of the Lord, the importance of the fear of the Lord. And remember, a few weeks ago when we started talking about the fear of the Lord, it's very hard to define what it really is. Because it's, just, it's, it's easier to see it than it is to kind of explain it. And, and I know this is in Greek, and they had much more, many more words in Greek, but it's still hard to understand the fear of the Lord. And so I gave you an example of what it looked like, and I gave you the example of Peter. Peter who was there, and he was asked by Jesus to put down the net, but Peter responded, this is Luke 5, says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they did, they ended up catching such a large amount of fish and it was in the midst of this blessing. It was, a, now think about this. This is Peter's livelihood. Fish is money. You know, because he, he sees all these fish and all the, the, his partners are there. And they see all this. They, are, they, they struck it rich. They struck it rich. They, they have all these fish. All the, this is a happy moment. Could you imagine, you know, Andrew, Peter. Man, we're going to be able to take a whole month off. Check this out. This is great, Peter. And in the midst of all this joy, in the midst of all this excitement, Peter turns to Jesus and he says this. He falls at his feet. Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Now think about the context of what Peter is experiencing here. Jesus is not condemning Peter. Jesus isn't trying to, to tell Peter, hey, if you get your act together, I could do this more often. No, Jesus just says, Peter... Go let your net down. Well, we tried, but I'll do it. And he sees what Jesus is, who Jesus is. He's realizing he's God. He's realizing that there's something different about this rabbi. Because remember, Peter and the disciples were good Jewish boys. They understood that there is one God and one God only. But there was this belief that they believed that God would show himself visible at times. And they believe this because of the story that we talked about with Moses, the angel of the Lord. They believe this because of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the angel of the Lord. They believe this because of Abraham and the angel of the Lord. And they also believe this because of Daniel 7, where it talks about the ancient of days, the Father, God, who is there. And he sees, he sees the Son of Man coming on the clouds. And he gives them, he gives him the authority to rule the nations. And the Bible says that the nations worshipped him. Well, wait a minute. The author, remember I talked earlier about how to read the Bible and look at the details. The author is clearly writing that God is on the throne. And here comes the Son of God on the clouds. And everyone knows that only the gods ride on the clouds. Only divinity has the ability to ride on the clouds. And so these this Peter's just in his heart saying, "This is, could this be? Is this the one?" And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just begins to tell him because it was not received from his knowledge; it was received from the Father. Jesus told him, and Peter realizes this is the one who comes upon the cloud. It's him, and he falls at his feet and he says, "Lord, 
forgive me. I am a sinful man. Lord, go away from me. I am a sinful man. He recognizes who this is. He's God. This is the fear of the Lord where you have a divine revelation that leads to humility and displays itself through obedience. This is the best definition I can come up with. It is a godly revelation that leads to humility and displays itself through obedience. And you see this is exactly what happened to Peter. Peter had a divine revelation. He threw himself at the feet of Jesus. And when they got back, the Bible says they left everything and they followed him. That's what the fear of the Lord is. And this morning, I I just encourage you to have those moments with God because he will reveal himself. You will be in awe of who he is. And I'm I'm not saying that you're not. Believe me, you're not. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is more. Just do a little bit more. Just spend a little bit more time with him. Because I, you know, I, I used to enjoy watching a good movie, but there's just nothing exciting about getting in the presence of God. I used to enjoy playing sports, but because of my age, things have slowed down just a little bit. I used to enjoy a lot of different things, but the older I get, the more I enjoy just being with the Lord, seeking him. And I'm not trying to sound like an old fuddy-duddy. I still enjoy a good football game. So proud of our boys on Friday, end up winning you know, and going to state uh, quarterfinals. I'm just so excited about that. It's awesome. I enjoy things, but I really do enjoy, and I, I know you do as well. But just do it a little bit more, because what happens is you get those revelations, you get that, that understanding of who God is, and then all of a sudden, because of humility, this is what I love. The Bible says that when you humble yourself, He will exalt you. He will lift you up. He will do these things. So the more we seek him, the more we realize who he is, the more we fall at his feet and say, Jesus, you are God, the more he's going to lift you up. And it will lead to a life of obedience. It will lead to a life of obedience. Now, fearing the Lord, some people say that we shouldn't you know, be afraid of God. And I'm not talking about fear in that sense, and you know that I'm not. But fearing the Lord, living in the fear of the Lord is something that we should do. And I just want to give you three things this morning, real quickly, as, we, as we're going to continue through this chapter here as the, week go on, as the weeks go on. But I'm going to give you three things this morning about the benefits of what happens when you fear the Lord. And the first one is found in verse 2, Psalm 112, verse 2. It says, Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Their children... And future generations will continue to be blessed. Why? Because you chose to fear the Lord. You chose to fear the Lord. And the Bible says that one of the benefits, one of the things that happens, one of the blessings that are going to come your way is that you are going to be a person of influence. Fearing the Lord will result in influence. It will result in influence. The world in their their way likes to label this as leadership. Some people will say this is leadership. Well, yes, it is leadership in the sense, but it is simply the result of influence because you're able to get people to do things that you believe in. Just like, you know, my kids, it took them a long time for for them to believe us. And now they do dishes very well, right? Because, you know, it's it's a process where we tell them, you know, we show them, we show, hey, this is how we clean. This is what we do. We pick up after after dinner. and, And because of our influence, they obey. And because they like to eat, they obey. And because they like to live in our home, they obey. Okay. 
But it says that children and their future generations will be influenced by those who fear the Lord. This is why Isaac is listed in the Hall of Fame of Faith. Hebrews 11.20 says, It is by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future of his son, Jacob and Esau. Isaac simply believed that his influence, his words, would impact future generations. We must be people who believe that because we fear the Lord, despite where your children are, despite where your grandchildren are, you must believe that God will influence them. God will speak to them. God will turn them back to the place they need to be. And that, why? Because you fear Him. It's, it's so cool when you just kind of simplify this process. God says this, you be with me, I'll take care of them. You be with me, I'll take care of them. You be with me, I'll take care of them. That's influence. And the fear of the Lord will bring that in your life. It's one of the blessings. Keep praying for your children, your grandchildren, and don't see them where they're at. Don't see them where they're at. And that's hard for us to do because we see people where they're at. When someone stabs you in the back, you see them where they're at. You see them as, as someone you can't trust, someone you can't forgive, someone that, and you see them at that. Don't see them where they're at. Your children, your grandchildren may say some very harmful and hateful things, but they're not rebelling against you. They're running from God. But God says that if you put him first, you seek him, you be faithful, you fear me, I'm going to give you influence over them so that they will continue on. Now, I know that children eventually will make their own decision. There are many good parents that have tried to raise their kids and they have fallen away from God. But it doesn't change the fact that we need to fear Him. And it doesn't change the fact that we need to keep our priorities straight. Don't give up. Don't give up. My grandfather, my mother's father, never responded to the call of Christ. She would pray for him, she would ask him, and he never would respond. And it was on his deathbed, she was preaching the gospel to him one last time, and he couldn't speak, he was so sick. And she just said, Dad, I really want you to meet Jesus. And she would just tell him this. And for the first time, and the only time through this whole process, he smiled. Now, I don't know whether he's in heaven or not. But my mom didn't give up to the very last moment. And maybe I'll meet my grandfather in heaven one day because inside of his spirit, he said, please, Jesus saved me. You see, because you don't have to say it out loud. If you want to understand this, you can look at the story of Peter and Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. Peter's simply just preaching Jesus and all of a sudden Cornelius starts speaking in tongues. I mean, how does that happen? It, because Cornelius in his heart said, Jesus, I know it's you. You're, you are the Son of God. Thank you. And boom, he just starts speaking in tongues. So, so never give up. And keep doing your part. Fear the Lord. And he will bless you with influence. Fear the Lord. The second thing is that he will give you prosperity. Psalm 112, verse 3 says, Wealth and riches are in their house, and the righteous endure forever. The Bible clearly says wealth and riches are in their house, and the righteous endure forever. Wealth means this in, in the Hebrew sense. Wealth means wealth. I mean, that, that word pretty much translates itself. 
It means to have enough. And riches means wealth with more. It means to have more than enough. It means to have abundance. Why would God say something if it wasn't true? But pastor, you don't see my home right now. You don't see my house. You don't see the financial situation I'm going through. Listen, I don't understand how God works. I just know this. You fear him, he'll take care of you. You fear him, he'll take care of you. Just as I was, as I was talking about my, my son and uh, daughter-in-law that came home to visit, I had reserved in my wallet just a little bit of cash. And, you know, when I try to reserve it, I, I fold it in half. That way, if my wife sneaks in my wallet, she knows it's reserved for something. And, um, but she doesn't. But, uh, but anyway, so I, I, fold things in my, I fold things in my wallet to reserve. And, um, and uh, after about a couple hours of them being home, we had to go get more milk. More milk. And, and I finally, I had, <laughs> I had that $50, and I used it. And then, and then you know, my wife and my daughters were doing some projects, and they needed something, and we had to get this, we had to get that, and next thing you know, it's just going away. You know, nowadays you buy four things and it just goes away. And I just remember thinking, man, I had that reserve, Lord. And God said to me, you act like I can't give it back to you. And literally, that next day, I got double. And they found out about it and we went back to the store. No. (laughs) But see... You have to trust that God is watching over you. Now listen, there may be moments you don't experience that. But why wouldn't I believe it? You know, the Bible says in Proverbs that, the, that poverty ruins the poor. And I remember going through moments where, you know, living in faith and, and just trusting in God. And, and it, just, it, was, it was humbling. It was humiliating. It was embarrassing. It was hard. And I remember reading that Bible verse and I said, God, this is killing me. And he says, poverty is the ruin of the poor. And I said, God, I'm getting ruined. And he said to me, he says, Pete, who said you're poor? I did it. You see, it really is a mindset. It really is a trust that's why when God says, when Jesus says that you must serve, you know, only one master, he didn't say, you know, God or the devil or God or Minnesota Vikings. No, no one will serve them. <laughs> they, will, they will disappoint you every time, even though they're doing pretty good this year. <laughs> but God says don't serve God or money. Why? Because money is what we trust and what we believe in. It gives us ability to do things. So don't, don't look at your moment and let that define you. God has good things planned for you. And you must believe that if you continue to fear him and put him first, he'll take you out of those situations. It may be through methods that you don't understand or it may be longer than what you're hoping for, but you must believe and you must continue to believe it. Why? Because God said it. And he says that those who fear me, those who love my word, wealth and riches are in their house and the righteous will endure forever. This is why Jesus promised one of the very last things he said in Scripture. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Look at Jesus. Look at me. He says, look at me. I'm coming. My reward is with me. I've not forgotten what I've promised you. 
So we must be people who believe that fearing the Lord will result in prosperity. And when we hear that word, it's kind of a buzzword and people get real negative and on it. But listen, I didn't write it, God did. So I'm going to stick to the word prosperity. Not only will he give you influence, not only will he give you prosperity, but finally, fearing the Lord, and just we're going to wrap it up today, fearing the Lord will result in vindication. Psalm 112 verse 4 says, Even in the darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. All of us go through dark moments and dark times and hard times. All of us experience those moments. But God promises to bring light to that situation. To bring light. What does that mean? It means that God will bring justice to your situation. Psalm 37, 6 says, He will make your righteous shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Vindication is literally about God bringing justice to your situation. It is literally God bringing justice to your situation. And we must remember this, that it's God who brings it, not us. You see, a lot of times we want to vindicate ourselves. A lot of times we want to justify ourselves. A lot of times we want people to know how much they hurt us before we forgive them. A lot of times we want people to know how much we suffered because of what you did, and then I'll forgive you. You know, it's, it, that's not the way it goes. God says, I'll take care of that. You pray for them. You forgive them. You love them. Even if they do me wrong, God, I'm going to let it go because you'll bring vindication. Vindication is very hard for us to trust because we don't know if God is actually going to be just. It's because of our insecurities. You know, I remember I was talking to, to someone. They were going through a difficult time. And, uh, and I was just reminding them, you know, you must forgive. You must forgive. But I want them to know you must forgive. You must forgive. Vindication is important because it really does help us get over our insecurities. Insecurities. Because insecurity of what? That the right is going to, that, 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 that who I am is going to be revealed. You know, I'm afraid that, that no one's going to see that I'm trying my best. I'm afraid that my boss is going to think someone else did, you know, that I did it and not someone else. Justice. I remember when I was um, <clears throat> working at uh, a, a job and, and I got accused of doing something wrong. And they called me on the phone. <clears throat> they said, come to the office. And I, and I sat there for at least 20 minutes of just getting yelled at by the boss because of a mistake that I did or they told me I did. And I said, Lord, I don't understand what's going on. I'm trying to do my best. I don't understand, God. And I'm just praying this in my head as they are literally just reaming me. And, and I just, I said, I know it wasn't me, God. I know it wasn't me. But all the evidence they had pointed to me. And I just said, God, I just, I don't understand. So I left after they got done yelling at me and I left. And finally, the, the Lord just brought to light, why don't you ask him what day it was? So I go back to the office and I says, listen, uh, once again, I'm sorry for all of this happening, um, but what day did this happen? And they said, well, it was on this day. And I looked at my calendar and I looked at the books and I opened up the calendar for the company and I said, see, I was actually not even here. I was gone that day. Okay, thank you, <laughs> you know. But you know what? God did it for me. 
Now, I'm not saying you don't stand up for yourself. You know, I'm not saying that you don't, you know, defend yourself. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is that when it comes to issues of our heart, we must trust that God is going to bring justice to the situation. Now, a lot of times we don't like praying about justice because we think of it in a negative way. We've all seen cops and we know the guy without the shirt is going to get arrested, right? We don't want justice in our life because we're afraid that something wrong. No, no, no. This is God bringing justice. And he's going to come and we're going to come into his courtroom and I'm going to say to him, and you're going to say to him, Lord, we were doing our best. We were trying. According to your word, we did this. You know what God's going to say? I rule in their favor because they obeyed my word. And if you fear me, if you love me, if you put your, my word before me or before you, and if you continue to hold fast to it, the Bible says that he will bless us with more. More what? More influence, more riches, and more vindication. He will bless you with those things. So this morning as we leave, just continue to meditate on these thoughts. Continue to meditate. Take it home with you. Read Psalm 112. Think about it because this is the benefits. These are the benefits that happens when we fear the Lord.